0: Hello and welcome to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast with me, Rich Ferraro. Uh, We are coming to you on Sunday the 13th of November, and this is the day after Nottingham Forest got a very welcome 1-0 home victory, which was against Crystal Palace. And that means that Forest joyously go into the winter break off the bottom of the table. Now, Obviously, that's quite momentous. The other thing to note for all of you uh, Forest fans out there is, of course, it does mean that Forest also go into the winter break having surpassed Derby's long standing record of being the worst team in history. So we've passed that 11 point mark. Anyway, let's get started. And we're going to hear from Maradon the Midlands in just a few minutes. But before we do that, let's have a look at the Forest team news. So it was Henderson in goal, a back four of Serge Aurier and Renan Lodi in the fullback positions. And Joe Worrell and Willie Bolly uh, retained their position at centre-back after impressing against Spurs in midweek. The midfield looked a bit more normal with Ryan Yates and Cech Coyote, either side of Remo Freuler. And up front, it was the strikerless uh, front three, once again, with Brennan Johnson and Jesse Lingard flanking Morgan Gibbs-White. Now, Maradon, the Midlands, welcome. Was that team news, particularly the lack of a striker, a surprise to you?
2: Um, it was a little bit. I, I wasn't sure what what selection he'd go for, because it, it was he did have some dilemmas. It was um, a good midweek performance versus a good performance against Brentford. Um, you got the World Cup players to consider. Would you, would you want to play them? Will they be playing at full pelt? So, um, before the match, I did sort of think that he probably would go with the same back four as midweek because they, they seem to have played so well. And um, it was a tricky one to play. Whether It would have been tricky to drop uh, Lingard after he played so well and also it would have been tricky to drop or keep um, Morgan Gibbs-White out as well. So, that being the case... Well, I was, yeah, a little bit surprised we didn't play with a striker because I, I, I think we've shown over the past few weeks that we're always better when we do have a, a recognised striker. But, uh, yeah, it was a tr- tricky, tricky um, transfer selection and uh, it sort of made a bit of a compromise one there, I guess.
0: Yeah. But on the other hand, um, I think the fact that Gibbs White has this ability to uh, retain the ball, he's not a focal point in the same way, but obviously it adds a different dynamic. And I wonder as well how much Steve Cooper kind of makes his team selection, not just on the basis of who's available to him, but on the basis of who we're playing against and and Palace. Uh, were kind of lining up with essentially the same team that they they played uh, last week when they got their first away win of the season. So um, I'm wondering if the fact that um, Joachim Anderson and Mark Gehi, he thought, well, let's make them run around a little bit uh, at centre-half. Anyway, let's get on to the action itself. And I say action. Well, it wasn't a match that was high on, on action, was it? Um, so let's just talk about the first half there was the first moment, I suppose, a vague danger came when Wolf Zaha, um went down the left-hand channel and got a bit of a shot in cross shot, which was parried by Dean Henderson. Now, that was a bit of a hairy moment, I guess. But on the other hand, I think we can just put it out there right now. That was the only save that Henderson had to make all match, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, I don't think even, even he even made the save. I think it may have just gone over um uh, from my memory. It was um I d I, I don't remember Dean Henson having to make a save at all. Um for all, for all their possession um Palace didn't create a great deal. Um they they say similar similarly to Forest they were playing without a recognized striker. They had sort of um easy uh Zaha and Elise as a sort of front three and a lo- sort of lovely touches, lovely sort of nimble players, sort of um, natural football, as you can tell. And they're all sort of great, great looking on the ball when, when they've got it. Uh, but without really producing anything, uh, without that sort of physical presence to go through people, um, they're sort of in and around our defenders, sort of getting in bits and pieces of space. But um without any any real any real creation and they, they sort of bossed possession and midfield as well the, the ball backs palaces were sort of very very much pushed into midfield as well so sort of reminiscent of the way we played last season mm. so often they had five in midfield and uh, we were struggling to get hold of the ball um at times as well so we relying on playing on the break but for all, all those uh, those attacking players I think the lack of a focal in a striker sort of harmed them as well and so they didn't really create any any clear-cut chances apart from that Zaha one.
0: Yeah and I'm assuming it's possibly down to fitness or maybe selection that uh, neither Jean-Philippe Mateta nor Odson Edouard um, came on until the second half um, because yeah as you've just discussed it it does seem a bit odd but but I do like Palace under Vieira they are easy on the eye but the fact that they don't get these results away from home suggests that there's, uh, you know, there's something there's something kind of not quite right there. Um, and that fed into Forrest being able to get the result today. Now, let's move on to. Let's start talking about VAR, because uh, there was a moment when uh, after Zahar had that. Um, had that shot, then Forest were more or less on the ascendant and. The first moment of controversy, I suppose, came when tyrick Mitchell brought down Jesse Lingard just outside the penalty area. And Forest fans were banging for a red card. It was given as a yellow with uh, the argument being that Joachim Anderson was uh, coming, off to, coming across to cover. So the on-pitch ref, John Brooks, gave a yellow. VAR backed that up. Um, how did that look to you from the stands
2: yeah, I, I was expecting a yellow as well because Anderson was, was right next to him as well. So I, I everybody else around me was like, red, red, red. But I, I was being my usual miserable self. I was a bit calmer. I wasn't expecting a red at all. So uh, I think yellow card was probably the correct decision.
0: OK, what about the penalty that was given against Forrest? That was Joe Worrell who um, stuck. Stuck an arm around Wolf Sahar as he was turning him in the box. Um, I've only seen it just the once on a replay and it's stonewall, as far as I can tell, without slowing it down or doing anything fancy. It looked like a penalty to me.
2: I have to completely disagree. Um, this is this is a problem with var. I mean, i I didn't see it see it as a penalty at the time. To me, in real time, it just looked looked like he threw himself onto the floor. Uh, Joe and having watched replay as well. I don't think my my opinions changed at all. Uh, Joe Worrell does have hold of his, um, well, he has an arm around his, his midriff, but Zaha had beaten him, and he he was through on goal. And I I don't know why he didn't just finish the shot because Joe Warrell holding his tummy doesn't make his legs suddenly fall, fall go give and <laughs> you know, fall, fall down. So he he absolutely threw himself on the floor, and I don't understand how Barr, having looked at it, could give it. And um, so I think justice was done there where, where he missed the penalty. But he's he's a fool to himself because he could easily have stayed on his feet as a simple one-on-one finish. So I don't understand why he did it.
0: OK, uh, to go to go all a bit match of the day, um, do you reckon it's one of those where if the ref had chosen not to give the penalty, VAR would have upheld that. But because the ref had already pointed to the spark, bar set, VAR said there's no clear and obvious error there.
2: Uh, well that's obviously their reasoning, but i th- I think they're completely wrong because that, that that there's two problems that one holding somebody's tummy does not make your legs give way that's that's not where that is. so that's completely erroneous to give a penalty for that and it's this whole the whole notion of a penalty that the punishment doesn't fit the crime anymore it, when, when we when we first started watching football you had to properly kick somebody really really hard even a foul sometimes weren't, weren't given as as penalties and the the punishment now far outweighs um, the crime i mean you could have a an, an example of like a player sort of running away from goal out of the uh, out of the box and it's a slight his touch and he falls down how is that equivalent to a free shot on goal which is which should be a, as good as a goal so if they're going to if if they're going to use VAR to give penalties, they've, they've got to they've got to make sure that the threshold's higher because the the, the punishment doesn't fit the crime anymore. Because we we that that would have been such a sucker punch for Boris because we 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 looked the better side in that first half despite Palace having the uh, possession, and for just one one act of Zaha throwing himself on the floor just because Joe Worrell was touching him, it could have lost us the game. Man, it would have after last week as well. It would have felt like a, such a complete injustice for that to happen and it and it's not right they need the authorities need to look at this but well, you can't just give away penalties it's not these crimes are not worth a free shot on goal
0: okay um so if we just i don't i don't want to dwell on on last week but if we just uh think about the penalty that was given against forest last week the argument is also that contact in itself does not necessitate um a penalty because it is a contact sport and so therefore the fact that Henderson touched the ball first, there was contact with uh, Johan Wisser's shin, but Wisser, again, as Baz said in his match report, you look at players' reactions, Wisser wasn't expecting a penalty to be given. In this case, Zahar goes down and then turns screaming with a wide-eyed face to the ref, which is something we've seen on Match of the Day many, many times over the years. So, So would you say that there's a parallel there? If there's contact, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go down and... Thing. but then on the other hand if you go do- if there's contact and you don't go down no one gives you anything
2: yeah but I mean you should only go down if it if you're actually fall if they're actually making you fall down there's, there's, there's nothing wrong with contact there's, 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 I don't know what how we have got to this point where where contact. see well when we were when we were kids we were told it's a contact sport <laughs> we don't want to go back to the, the, the days where you sort of get a, a defender Going right the way through the back of a, an attacker and to get the ball. But you've got to have a little bit of contact. It's just it's just to turn, turn into like a um like ballet or something. I don't know. But you yeah, have more contact in ballet, I guess, than this. And it's just these are big strong lads. T- somebody just touching you does not make you fall down. If you I mean that if, if that was true, just walking down the street, we'd have like 50 people sort of falling over every time somebody brushes past them on a busy high street. It doesn't happen.
0: Tell you what, the um the verbs video for Bittersweet Symphony yeah. <laughs> would be like yeah. Skittles, isn't it? <laughs> um, okay, so just to bring that back, so was wasa naive in having his arms around Zahar in the box though?
2: He was. He did have one or two hairy moments where he thought, "Oh, this is why he's not been playing." Is He just ninety nine percent of the time he looks solid. He looks good. It's just that bit of him, him above, in, yeah, where he's a bit immobile, and um, he just gets caught out a little bit, and then he's a bit rabbit in the headlights. He sort of panics. He just he just looks mm. a little bit cumbersome at times. Yeah, and that's that's the reason why why he got dropped initially, and that's why he, he maybe won't get this place back automatically after the World Cup because he just that one once or twice in the match he will get caught out, especially by sort of more nimble players.
0: Mm. Mm, okay. So as you said, the penalty was missed. Um, Zaha, it's one of those, I don't think he's got a great penalty record. So I was a bit surprised to hear that he was the one taking the pen. You'd have thought that maybe someone like Eze or or Elise or or someone else might take it. I mean, Milivojevic, I think if he was playing, he's got a really good penalty record. But Zahar took it and it's a classic thing. If you're going to try and side foot it and send the keeper the wrong way, which he did... But then if you don't hit the target, what's the point? <laughs> yeah,
2: uh, but yeah, it, it was a it was a pretty terrible penalty. But I think he, he's just obviously such a dominant character in that dressing room. I don't think anybody's got got the stones to go up to and say, "No, I want to take it." He's, he's got to come from the manager. Mm. And I think at the moment they're just trying to keep him sweet because his, his contract situation is running down, so they don't want to rock the boat too much. And they they sort of you have to treat him with kid, kid gloves, I think.
0: But um. Well, that falls very much into the realm of somebody else's problem, though, doesn't it? So let's let's move on. Um, <laughs> just a little note about uh, the officials. Uh, in the incident which saw Tyric Mitchell get his yellow card after fouling Lingard, he was down injured for three minutes, and yeah. uh, the officials put up the board at the end of the first half saying, one minute of stoppage time. Yeah. And yeah. I believe that there was basically um, widespread laughter around <laughs> the entire ground. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it was It was met with derision. But, I mean, I wasn't too displeased. Because I think at that moment we did need half-time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were looking a little bit shaky. Um, and I, 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 for one, was saying, well, that's that's a good thing for us. We need to get in and just regroup now. Um, yeah. But, yeah, and then we'll say, we'll say, I did also mention that if we're winning in the second half, it will it'll hold up six minutes or something, which, <laughs> <laughs> which happened as well.
0: Yeah. Okay. So we got into half time. We regrouped. Do you think that they successfully did that? Forest look a little bit more composed at the start of the second half.
2: Yeah, they did, and uh, they they came out with more more of a sense of purpose. I felt um, a bit more aggressive in the tackles. Um, mm-hmm. we, we we were sat, sat off them quite a lot in the first half. Yeah. Uh, so a bit more aggressive, a bit more pressing. And it and it paid off. We had quite a few sort of breaks where where similar to the Liverpool game, where we were sort of getting getting making use of that space that they were leaving sort of in, in the back line and and getting sort of shots off and and creating chances.
0: Mm, okay, um, talk us through what happened with the goal because it uh, I mean it, it sounds like a bit of a hot mess, but in the end it seems as though the correct decision was reached. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I mean I I, I was baffled as to why they were checking for bar initially. I, I I didn't see anything wrong with it in real time. It, it looked like a, a pretty clean goal. Um initially I thought it was maybe it was because the Palace player was down um on the side of the pitch. Uh but that that I was I was confident that wasn't a foul having seen the challenge. It, it wasn't a foul. And then I, I couldn't see where there was an offside. There's somebody somebody lit, near us listening on the radio saying, oh they're saying it's a clear offside. And I was like, I didn't see an offside at all. How did it clear offside? And then, um, but thankfully justice was done. Um,
0: So presumably you've seen now um, that we, it was pretty tight. Um, Morgan was level. It was actually Mark Gahey's back foot that's played him onside, but onside he was. Now, again, I I like to feel I I, tr- I want to try and be consistent with my position on these things. I think in those ones, the millimetre offside decisions, you give the benefit of the doubt to the attacker. So in that sense, I was pleased. But let's not deny it. I was pleased because it went our way.
2: <laughs> yeah, and um, but in real time, it it, it didn't look because of the way of the movement. It was all, he he made, he made movements from from behind the defender. So in that that would only ever be denied by. A VAR uh, a decision. If, if we go back to sort of how football was pre-VAR, nobody would even even question that as being offside. Mm-hmm. It, it was, and and that's not why VAR was introduced. I don't think it was. It was to int- it was introduced to sort of pick up on glaring errors. Um, so I think justice was done. We 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 deserved that goal. It was a, it was a good bit of play for Brendan Johnson. It was it was sort of culmination of a real good period of play, and we were we were looking dangerous. We were playing some nice touches. Um, Morgan Gibbs-White and uh, Yatesy and everybody sort of driving on forwards and it, we, I think we deserve that. There's another another sort of contribution from Aurier as well on that right-hand side who's mm-hmm. sort of got in maybe half a dozen really peachy crosses again from that right side yeah. and just looks better with every game. It's uh, I know some people weren't happy when when he signed saying, oh, he's over the hill and and Tottenham bands always used to sort of criticise him but he's looked like a class player for us so far.
0: Mm, Okay. Um, let's move on. There's one other VAR moment and possibly, I mean, if I was a Palace fan, I might grumble about it. Um, We'll find out in a bit, I suppose. Um, But uh, Ryan Yates had a tackle which he got a yellow card for, which was after a foul sliding challenge on Jeffrey Schlupp. Uh, it was a yellow card. VAR looked at it, and VAR said no, no further action required. They they looked at it very briefly as well. Did you see that? Did you have any thoughts?
2: I did. Yeah, a yellow card was a was a correct decision. When when it came up as a VAR red, possible red card, we were like, what? It was it was it was just a um, a tough challenge, and uh, he, he got it slightly wrong. That's mm-hmm. a yellow card. and Never a red card.
0: Okay. Yeah, Fair enough. Okay. Now it's worth pointing out that really um, with one exception, that was just about it in terms of goal mouth action. There was a moment uh, relatively late on, I guess when um, Forrest did create a chance where the ball came out to Jesse Lingard about 15 yards out and he tried to bend it into the far post, but he, he missed. Um, I think he obviously looked really annoyed that he didn't get it on target, and a player of his caliber, you'd expect him to get it on target, especially having finally broken his duck for Forest. Um, but Lingard had a good match again, didn't he?
2: Yeah, it, was, it, it wasn't as sort of spectacularly spectacularly uh, impressive as it was against Tottenham, but he, he, yeah, it was okay. He, he did all right. He, he, um, he, his first half he was a bit quiet, but second half he sort of got involved a bit more. And just sort of involved with the chances we created, and then he that that chance does go i mean we've we've been saying it sort of throughout the season it goes down another one as says oh he's got to score there That's and so cool. Premier League team score those chances and it for him not to hit the target it was it was a it was a bit of a uh uh a body blow. I mean, I mean, we we're all expecting. Well, you know what's going to happen now. They're going to go go up at the other end and score and make us regret that. But thankfully, that didn't happen. But it, I don't, He played all right. It was again, as I said at the beginning, I, I felt we missed that sort of focal point of a striker. Uh, people were calling for Sam Sturridge, and um, or Sam Sturridge rather. There's no T there. And he, he, I think he when he came on. Um, it improved things for Forrest. Mm-hmm. He, he's yeah. got good energy, uh, a bit more of a presence about him. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll put my my uh, my neck out and say I don't think Morgan Gibbs White and Jesse Lingard should necessarily play in the same team. Mm-hmm. I always think it's one or another situation there, and that that will involve some tough selections at times. But I, I just think for the, the betterment of the team, that's what should always happen. But, mm-hmm. um we, we got through it yesterday, and when we played well, we got three points. The
1: 1865 Match Report. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas.
2: You're listening to 1865,
0: the Nottingham Forest Podcast. Welcome back to the 1865 Match Report. Now it's time to get a view from the away end. And we're going to hear from Jim from the Five Year Plan
3: podcast. Hi, I'm Jim Daly. I'm host of the Five Year Plan podcast, which is a Crystal Palace fans podcast. Um, It's the morning after Forest beating Palace 1-0 at the city ground. I was there yesterday, had a lovely day driving up, beautiful walk in the sunshine over the Trent, by the ground. It's a lovely old ground, really enjoyed it. Um, And a lovely walk back down by the river to the uh, park and ride. The only thing that ruined my day uh, was the 90 minutes of football. Um, in the middle. I thought Forrest were absolutely good for their win. Uh, I thought you battled hard. For the first 20 minutes sat off us and I thought that was a bit of a surprise and we looked comfortable. But once you started pressing high, we struggled. And that is something that has happened to us all season, particularly away from home. Our away form is not good. And I thought it was a very poor performance from Palace. Really frustrating given how good we were at West Ham the previous week. I thought we were terrible. And I thought Forrest to serve the three points. No complaints, really, from me. Um, the penalty, had we scored the penalty, it would have been a different game, but, you know, Wolf rolls it wide with a terrible penalty. Um, even the Forest goal when it came, I guess maybe if you're uh, uh, a controversial Palestine, you might particularly moan that Mitchell was down injured. But to be fair, Forest have no obligation to put the ball out. And actually, when it comes in, Looks like a slight error from Guaita there to, to prod it out and, and maybe should have been defended better. And, of course, can't complain about the offside uh, or the onside because that is what VAR is there for now. And uh, we have to assume that that is, that is bang on. So I do think over the course of play, Forrest deserved it. We created very little and our players did not look up for it. They looked like they were on the beach, as, as a mate of mine said in the concourse afterwards. Which is weird to say in mid-November. Um so I can't really have any complaints, no other controversies I can think of during the game. I just thought the only controversy really was that Palace were very poor. Um, I thought the Forest fans were fan- fantastic. That is the loudest opposition fans I've heard uh, going to Palace games in in, in in long time, to be honest. I thought they were absolutely brilliant from the very first whistle. And, you know, if you're asking me, will Forest stay up? And and I don't know, because I think it's going to be very tight down the bottom of the table. Um, But you seem to have had a really good upturn in form. Ironically, since offering Cooper the new deal, and we we were walking over the bridge to the game, we heard some Forest fans behind us say, well, we've been a lot better since Cooper's been given the new deal. And today they really fought for their manager. You know, there were scenes of him at the end fist pumping to the crowd. It reminded me of when Ian Dowie was Palace manager, you know, uh, 15 years ago. And and he he seems to have got the fans on side in the same way Dowie did for us so i think absolutely if if Forrest do go down you won't go down without a fight because that is a team that are clearly fighting for their manager and that is a fan base that are clearly behind their team you know it's 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 almost almost a 12th man i think yesterday um actually if i can moan moan a little bit I'm, i might even say 13th man because i do think the referee mr john brooks i don't normally look his name up uh, i thought was was not brilliant, a little bit inconsistent. And there was a few fouls on Palace players, uh, one on Wilf right in front of us that that wasn't given. I thought he was, uh, he seemed intimidated, I think, maybe even by the home fans. And actually, you know, as home fans, that is kind of your job. Um, And there was one incident, I have to say, with Yates down in front of us, your number 22, who, uh, um, how do I say this diplomatically, went down very easily after a shoulder-to-shoulder with Mark Gahey and looked to be claiming holding his face um, when those of us and I was in row four it did not look like he'd been hit in the face but I you know it's all gamesmanship isn't it and it's all about marginal gains uh, and to be honest Palace didn't do any of that and Palace didn't really deserve anything from the game so so well done to Forrest I thought it was a, I had a lovely day out in the city grounds it's my first time there since 2008 so it's been a long time um, and I thought uh, as a team and as a fan base you guys deserve the win today and I wish you all the best for the season Forrest are a a lovely, traditional old club, that sort of club we want to see back in the Premier League, to be honest. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be keeping my fingers crossed for you guys that you do stay up this season. Although, as I said, I think it's going to be mm. very tight down the bottom. And part of me hopes that uh, Palace aren't dragged into it. But um, I think we've got enough quality to stay out of it, I think, this season. But we do have to sort out our away form and our inconsistency. So anyway, yeah, lovely day out for me at the City Ground, Just ruined by 90 minutes of football. But all the best to Forrest uh, for the rest of the season.
0: Thank you very much, Jim, um, and we appreciate you giving your views on the game. Now, I'm going to go back to uh, the on the Midlands, to just, uh, I guess, sum up a little bit. Um, the first thing I'm just going to ask is, Forrest got a clean sheet, they got a victory, and Steve Cooper was naturally delighted about that. We'll come on to what he said um, in just a minute. Now, was the clean sheet down to the fact that Forest are a bit more solid or was it down to Palace being a bit toothless or was it a little bit of both?
2: It's a bit of both. I mean, we're, we're looking better than we did, I mean, when we first came up um, and it, things started to go off the rails after the Man City game. We, we looked completely out of our depth and, and so disorganised and so open that it was ridiculous. So from there, we have moved a million miles forward with the, um, with the sort of strength in the middle of the park now we was showing and just the um just the improvement in players of like i would guess it, at the time first few appearances for somebody like Renan lodi we were like oh god what have we done here because he, he looked completely uh like a duck out of water he, he he didn't look like he didn't fit into english game at all but so with the, the benefit of hindsight sort of the lack of a preseason really did for us mm. um and just when you look back at the, how many how many preseason games we had, it was it's relatively few, really. So just I think at the beginning we were lacking both fitness and um, just getting used to the Premier League as well. And and so that that's that's helped as well. The players look bitter now; they look like they can keep running, and it's an overall improvement. I, th- I think we'll we'll see a gradual improvement as the season goes on as well, as they they get to know each other and. Lest we forget, we've got Steve Cooper in charge and we saw what he did last season. I and mean, when last season we were saying he is a brilliant coach, so the more time they spend with him on the training field, and we've, we've got to still believe he's a brilliant coach. And we because from the evidence of our own eyes from last season, he will improve those players and then he will improve that team. So, um, I think we're, we're just going to see a gradual improvement all the way along,
0: yeah. Um, and we'll talk about that in a bit more depth. Uh, we are going to do a, a sort of a discussion podcast, one of our Forest Rambles, um, before the World Cup starts, uh, now that we have gone into the break. So keep um, an eye on your feed, listener, and that will be with you in the next week or so. Um, you mentioned Steve Cooper's thoughts there. Um He said that he's really pleased and it's great to get the win going into the winter break. And he said, we've had a really good week. We got let down against Brentford with some of the decisions that went against us. So for the players to respond as they did with the performance and results that we've had is really pleasing. Um, he also commented upon the fact that Henderson didn't really have a save to make. He said it's been a tough few months with the turnaround in the squad, but the guys have been brilliant in terms of their attitude. We know at times we haven't been the team we need to be, but that's a natural process of putting the team together. So, just to sum that up, and again, we will talk about it in more depth, that's a real It shows that Forrest did the right thing by not dispensing with Cooper, whether that was by luck or by judgment um, and by giving him the new contract, doesn't it?
2: It does. Yeah. I mean, it would have been it would have been so easy for them to sort of follow their usual um, pattern of of getting rid of managers quickly. But I'm so glad that they didn't do that is. He's, he's, he had proven himself last season, and he deserved that chance. He deserved that chance to keep give it a good go. And, and thankfully, they showed a bit of sense, a bit of um, a, uh, a bit of compassion uh, in mm-hmm. the situation where they've got all those players coming in. And I've sort of realised that, yeah, we we have given him a, a really tough job, and uh, thankfully, it's paying off for it now.
0: Great. Okay, just one little line on the match itself. Forrest had 31% possession, but Palace didn't have a shot on target. Um, is that something that is acceptable if we're planning to stay up this season?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, I think we're, we're, we're going to not have the least amount of possession almost every game we play this season. It is, that's what happens when when you've got when the other team have got better players than you. And and more or less, every team in the division has got better players than us. So I'm I'm not bothered by that at all. Um, We've got the better coach. And so we'll use our coaching Mm -hmm. and our organisation to uh, beat these other teams.
0: Okay, just a look at the uh, Premier League table, because it's worth talking about. Um, So Wolves are bottom, 15 matches played, 10 points. Southampton are in the... Uh, next place with 12 points from 15 matches. Forest have a significantly worse goal difference. They've got minus 19, but they've got 13 points from 15 matches in 18th position. Then we've got Everton and West Ham. Above that, we've got Aston Villa and Leeds on 15 points. And uh, Leicester in 12th, who have hit form. They are just four points ahead of Forest, Although, again, Forest goal difference is essentially a point down. So... All of a sudden, the table is looking a little bit better. And last thing I want to talk about today, marriage on the Midlands, is that um, privately in our group chat a few weeks ago, you were bemoaning the idea that Forrest might not get past Derby's record as the worst team in history. And we have surpassed that when we're not even halfway through the season. So how does that make you feel?
2: Uh, yeah, very much uh, relieved and happy with that. Um at that point, where where we were sort of being battered every week, <laughs> it looked like a long way off. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's, it's, it's a, a lesson life for all of us that even even at the darkest hour, all you've got to do is put one foot in front of the other and keep going. And and uh, remember, deserve, at least we're not Derby. Well, he's not Derby, and um, <laughs> um, it's just it's just a matter of keeping the, the table ticking over. I mean, if if we what. I don't mind us losing the odd game here and there, as long as we're picking up points in other games. So a point here, a win there, that's fine. That that that'll keep us up. It's when you go sort of four, five, six games without picking up anything that's when you're in serious trouble. So um, if it means just grinding out nil-nil draws here and there, just to just to pick, keep the table ticking over, picking up those points, that's absolutely fine. And that's. That's I expect we will hopefully do that through those dark winter months when we come back from the World Cup. Just uh, we've got some tough away matches, tough away games against some big clubs. But I'm, I'm I don't know may, maybe it's maybe it's the uh, post-win optimism speaking here. But I, I I don't I don't think we should write off our chances at Old Trafford or against Chelsea when we come back. I've got I've got a sneaky feeling that we we could get something out
0: of those games. Okay, we'll preserve that clip and play it back to you in in about six weeks time. Um, But I think one of the things to kind of revisit point we made a few minutes ago um, and actually in previous weeks, Steve Cooper is somebody who doesn't get too high when he wins, doesn't get too low when he loses. Very calm presence. And I think that's going to be really, really crucial um, for Forrest's chances of staying up this season. Would you agree?
2: I do. Yeah. Um, He's said it last season. and I'll say it again this season. He's he's our biggest asset. Um, we, we really struck gold with Steve Cooper and um, just his, his um, coaching ability and his um, intelligence just um, shines through and uh, I think that's going to see us through well this season.
0: Brilliant. And we shall end it there. So thank you very much to the Marriage on the Midlands. Thank you to Jim from the Five Year Plan podcast. And thank you, listener, for joining us. Once again, a reminder, we'll be back with one of our Forest Ramble discussions before the World Cup gets started. And uh, we want to say thank you very much for joining us today. We'll be back soon.
1: Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases. Full by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.